everyone, and welcome to episode 525 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello, Adam. Howdy. How's it going? Good. How are you? The sun's out. It's beautiful. It is. It is. Um, where it's the end of February, somebody there, everyone is going around like Northeast Ohio, like actual um, weather stuff yesterday. It was like first winter, false spring second winter and it's like you are here but i was like mm-hmm. I but it is it's beautiful so. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so that's it we have spring on the mind so jill what are we gonna do today transition 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 that was a terrible transition so today, <laughs> today is our marsh books episode yep. so long time listeners know that every month we share all the books coming out in the next month that we are looking forward to um, and today it's all about March. Yeah, it is, which really isn't spring anyway. March, I don't think spring starts till like April or May, but um, yep. So like Joe said, we don't tell each other what books we have, um, but we're pretty good at this point about knowing what the other one's going to talk about. Um, I have a lot. I have like 10. I have seven. Okay. All right. There might be some of them. I always like, we so There's- rarely... There's like one that might be one you also have. I'm not sure. We'll see. Yeah, we so rarely overlap that I don't know why I always freak out and like keep looking for more and more books to talk about, but that's what I did. So um, as always, everybody, we will put these in the show notes. So no need to frantically write them down. Um, and if you want more recommendations, you can email us at professionalbooknerds.overdrive.com or leave us a tweet or Instagram message at probooknerds um we just we just get into them i guess huh yeah i think so i don't think there's anything else okay i have a couple that i'll I'll start because i have a few more i have a couple that are for upcoming interviews so i won't spend a lot of time on them but i just really loved the books um and the first one is infinite country by patricia engel this is a really really fast book it's like 200 pages it's getting a ton of buzz it was blurred by our buddy ro kwan which is lovely um, but it is all about this Colombian family. There's five different people in the family and they are separated. Some of them are in the United States. Some of them are back in Colombia. And the uh, daughter, the I think she's the youngest daughter. Yeah, uh, Talia is being held at like a correctional facility for, a, for adolescent girls for a thing that she did, which you learn quickly about. Um, but she escapes and her dad has a ticket for her to get to the United States to rejoin the rest of her family. Um, And it's told through all of their different points of view, all five of them about like how her parents got separated, how one of them ended up in Colombia, where they're originally from and how one of them is in the United States with their other kids, why Talia is in Colombia and not back with her family. And it's just this really interesting look at relationships and separation and um, immigration and deportation and all sorts of stuff. Uh, It's just really beautiful. But I was like, shocked when I opened it up and saw that it was only 200 pages and was blown away by how much story Patricia put into this 200 page book so it's really good she'll be on the podcast later this month um but yeah really Infinite Country by Patricia Engel will probably be one of the books best books I read all year what is your first one my first one is Act Your Age Eve Brown by Talia Hibbert this is the third of Talia's Brown sister books it's about the youngest sister Eve um who so far in her sister's books, Danny, uh, take a hint, Danny Brown and get a life, Chloe Brown. Eve has sort of been this, you know, 
periphery character and now she gets her own book very excited for this one um so uh this is about eve who's a certified hot mess i just i will That's love amazing any description that starts that way um no matter how hard she strives to write <laughs> her life always goes horribly wrong and then there is jacob who is a bed and breakfast owner which again love Perfect. it love it um, and he is on a mission to dominate the hospitality industry and he expects nothing less than perfection. So when a purple haired tornado woman turns up out of the blue to interview for his open chef position, he tells her the brutal tr- truth, which is not a chance in hell. <laughs> uh, and then she hits him with her car. And so <laughs> here we go. So now his arm is broken. His B&B is understaffed and Eve is there to help and in true romance fashion, magic happens. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's actor age Eve Brown. Amazing. Um, this is one that I think we might both have the conductors by Nicole Glover. Mm-mm. Okay. All right. This, I think this is a mix of interests for both of us. Um, so the conductors is about these two characters, Hetty Rhodes and her husband, Benji, uh, during the time when it was necessary, they were conductors on the underground railroad. Um, But they were using magic and cunning to uh, keep the dozens of slaves free that they were able to get to freedom. But the war is over. um, And now they're using these skills to solve mysteries and murders that white authorities just would otherwise ignore. Um, So it's it takes place in the seventh ward in Philadelphia. um, And everyone knows, like, if there's ever a strange death or a magical curse or something going on, they go to talk to Hetty and Benji. Um, one of their old friends ends up getting mur- murdered and the investigation stirs up a whole bunch of things that happen. So um, it's like a mix of it's magic and fantasy, but it's also um, like a murder mystery. I'm really, really excited about this one. And you know how, you know, when you'll see a book, it says like such and such a novel. This mm-hmm. one is the conductors, a murder and magic novel. I just like, like that little. Love it additional uh tag there so that's the conductors by nicole glover my next one is the lost apothecary by sarah penner y'all so i was i've never been more certain you're gonna put a book on your list uh that surprised me there's another one on here well actually i think there's two more that are very much me books anyway so the lost apothecary hidden in the depths of 18th century london a secret apothecary shop caters to an unusual kind of clientele Women across the city whisper of a mysterious figure named Nella who sells well-disguised poisons to use against the oppressive men in their lives. I'm already in and I don't really care what else happens in the book, but I'm going to share with you anyway. Um, The apothecary's fate is jeopardized when her newest patron, a precocious 12-year-old, makes a fatal mistake, sparking a string of consequences that echo through the centuries. Meanwhile, in present-day London, aspiring historian Caroline, I'm so excited I can't even talk, um, (laughs) spends her 10th wedding anniversary alone running from her own demons when she stumbles upon a clue to the unsolved apothecary murders that haunted London 200 years ago. Her life collides with the apothecaries in a stunning twist of fate, and not everyone will survive. I mean, hello. Hello. Um, my next one is The Lamplighters by Emma Stonex. I actually, like, just before Jill and I recorded this, I was doing an interview with Emma. Uh, this book rules. It is so good. I, like, 
I mentioned with Infinite Country, I think this will end up being on my best books list. It's inspired by a true story. So in 1900, there was a um, a lighthouse where three people who were working in there like just disappeared. Um, and it was off the coast. It was off of um, the coast of Scotland. And like, there's these lighthouses that they're like out in like the sea because they have to keep them near like reefs and stuff to keep people away so they're literally in the middle of nowhere this uh so she based her story off of this so she wrote a story that takes place in the 70s where three lighthouse keepers disappear um and the story goes back and forth between their respectives and their wives and significant others respectives who are you know in like this forced isolation on in these um basically like cottages and they're you know their husbands chose this life and they but they didn't they're forced to be uh, by themselves and so it takes place in two timelines in 1972 when the men disappear and then also like 20 years later when a person is writing a story about this and they are going to interview these three women who are involved so it just kind of goes back and forth between these six different perspectives and it's beautiful and haunting and creepy and it's a very it gave me big like I, I don't know it was very relatable with the pandemic feeling isolated like this it was, it was such a good isolation book and um emma has written a bunch of books under pseudonyms and she this is the first book she's written under her own name and she also has a history in publishing so our conversation was very much like about books more so even than our conversations usually but oh it's such a good book so that's the lamplighters by emma stonex that sounds really good it's really good my next one is accidentally engaged by farah heron so this is about a Muslim woman who fakes engagement to the boy next door in the hopes of winning a couple's cooking contest, <laughs> which is just perfect. So uh, Rena is a baker. She uh, bakes with her um, family and her parents have found her yet another potential good Muslim husband. That's how that's phrased. I love it. Um, this one would be perfect, except for the fact that he comes with the fact that it's her parents, you know, presenting him to her and not her finding mm-hmm. him on her own. And she sort of refuses um, to marry anyone who works for her father and wants nothing to do with this guy until a baking opportunity of a lifetime presents itself, which is a couple's cooking competition and so they decide to pretend to be engaged to get on this cooking competition. And then of course, as a romance, things happen. So uh, yeah, that just, I mean, you got baking, you got big dating, which is like legitimately my favorite trope, I think. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, so that's accidentally engaged. Sounds delightful as hell. <laughs> um, my next one is How Beautiful We Were by Imbolo Imbue. Uh, This cover is just like shockingly beautiful. Uh, So this takes place in a fictional African village of Kasawa. And it tells the story of people who are living in fear amongst environmental degradation uh, because an American oil company has put pipelines in their like fertile farmlands and basically rendered it infertile. So there's children that are dying of toxic water um all of the promises to clean up everything and provide reparations to the village are of course being ignored and the country's government um who is led by a dictator 
basically just doesn't care about them. So they left left with literally no other choice. They decide to fight back on their own and their struggle lasts for decades and it comes at a very steep price, but it's told from the perspective of, of a generation of children who grew up in this um, horrible environment and kind of become and create their own revolution. So it sounds very, um, you know, maybe a little bit challenging to read, but it's, I, I know it deals with a lot of like colonialism and a whole bunch of different things that I'm really excited about. So um, that is How Beautiful We Were by Mbolo Mbue. Next one is The Way That Way Madness Lies, which is a collection edited by Dahlia Adler. So this is 15 YA writers are putting a modern spin on William Shakespeare's plays. Oh, I did see this. Okay, yeah. This is the one I thought you also might have. I um, don't Shakespeare that much, though. Oh, see, I thought you did. Okay, never mind them. Um, right. So we have Dahlia Adler. We have um, Anna Marie McLemore. We have Samantha Mabry. We have uh, Tochi Anyabuchi. I mean, this Kirsten what White, like, list. this is a list. This is a list of uh, yeah, so there's 15. They each take on some of Shakespeare's most famous and well-known works, including The Merchant of Venice, um, Macbeth, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, Twelfth Night, Julius Caesar. And they, yeah, are putting a modern spin on it. I could get behind that. This I could get behind. See? Yeah. Um, what's the name of that one again? I know Dahlia is the editor. That Way Madness Lies. Yeah, sounds really good. Um, my next one is, is pretty quick, but it's The Man Who Ate Too Much by John Birdsall. It's um, a telling and a, a story of the life of James Beard. So James Beard, that might sound familiar to a lot of people. Um, the James Beard Award is like one of the most prestigious things you can win in the culinary world. And I did realize like I know nothing about James Beard. I don't know mm-hmm. why he's, he's the person that they focused on. Um, and he has a really, really fascinating uh, life. He, James Beard was, he became to be known as the Dean of American Cookery, which is really fun. Um, but that's not all he was. He had this really complex queer life and he, that he tried to keep hidden a lot of times and then other times didn't. And so he was all over the world. He uh, lived in America and France in um, just all over the place. And he was a failed actor and then he turned into a kind of a, an author. And then he turned into a cooking teacher and he created these um, very unique expressive cookbooks in, at a time when like, that is not how cooking, how cookbooks were published. And um, he would provide these recipes and stories all behind them. And it was just really interesting. And I, and I realized when this was coming out, I was like, I know nothing about James Beard. So I'm very excited for the man who ate too much. My next one is The Castle School for Troubled Girls by Alyssa Scheinmull. Okay. So um, when Moira's parents announced they're sending her to an all-girls boarding school deep in the main woods, Moira is in fold. Well, who would be? I mean, like, if your parents are sending you to a boarding school in the main woods, it's probably not a good thing. <laughs> so um, she knows her parents are punishing her. She's been to too much trouble since her best friend Nathan died and for a while before that. At the castle school, isolated from the rest of the world, Moira will be, will be expected to pour her heart out to the odd headmaster, Dr. Prince. But she isn't interested in getting over Nathan's death or befriending her fellow students. On her first night there, Moira hears distant music. 
On her second, she discovers the lock on her window is broken. On her third, she and her roommate venture outside and learn that they're not so isolated after all. There's another very different castle school nearby. This one filled with boys whose parents sent them away too. Moira is convinced that the castle schools and the doctors who run them are hiding something, but exploring the schools will force Moira to confront her overwhelming grief and the real reasons her parents sent her away. That, when you said that, it is behind me on a bookshelf. I have that <laughs> book. I haven't read it yet, but I think, is that, um, is that source books? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. That's probably why I have a copy of it. Uh, I will say, I don't know if you read her, uh, they, she has an, a different book that came out a couple years ago called A Danger to Herself and Others, which is like, blew my mind and gave me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. I'm excited for this one too. Yeah. Uh, here's another one I thought you might have. I don't know. The Lost Village by Camille. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I'll let you talk about it. Cause we, I, it's on my list too, but, um, this is, I was thinking sure. that for the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's totally fine. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, I have one. Okay. My next one is lost in the Neverwoods by Aiden Thomas. Uh, this one. So Aiden Thomas wrote cemetery boys and that book was phenomenal. And I think in reading the names of the people, I'm pretty sure this is a Peter Pan retelling. Um, it's been five years since Wendy and her two brothers went missing in the woods, but when the town's children start to disappear, the questions surrounding her brother's mysterious circumstances are brought back into light. Attempting to flee her past, Wendy almost runs over an unconscious boy lying in the middle of the road. Peter, a boy she thought lived only in her stories, asks for Wendy's help to rescue the missing kids, but in order to find them, Wendy must confront what's waiting for her in the woods. So... Maybe not. Maybe just like an expansion, like an extension of Peter Pan. Like I don't inspired. know how inspired. It sounds like you know. There you go. Um, but Aiden's, uh, yeah, Cemetery Boys was so phenomenal and written in such a like fun, unique, creative voice. Uh, I am so excited for their next book. So that's uh, Lost in the Neverwoods, and also another really, really cool cover. Uh, my next one is The Final Revival of Opal and Nev by Donnie Walton. I know I've talked about this before because it is another oral history um, about a fake rock and roll band from the 70s. And what is not to love about that? Um, <laughs> um, this is, yeah, so sh- it's about Opal as a fiercely independent young woman pushing against the grain in her style and attitude. Afropunk before that term existed. Coming of age in Detroit, she can't imagine settling for a nine-to-five job despite her unusual looks. Opal believes she could be a star. So when the aspiring British singer-songwriter Neville Charles discovers her at a bar's amateur night, she takes him up on his offer to make rock music together for the fledgling Rivertown Records. In the early 70s, New York, just as she's finding her niche as part of a flamboyant and funky creative scene, a rival band signs to her label brandishes a Confederate flag at a promotional concert. Opal's bold protest and the violence that ensues sets up a chain of events that will not only change the lives of those she loves, but also be a deadly reminder that the repercussions are always harsher for women, especially Black women who dare to speak the truth. Decades later... It's Opal considers a 2016 reunion with Nev. Musical journalist S. Sonny Shelton seizes the chance to curate an oral history about her idols. Sonny thought she knew most of the stories leading up to the cult duo's most politicized chapter. But as her interviews dig deeper, a nasty new allegation from an unexpected source threatens to blow up everything. So I mean, so love me my oral histories. 
love me fake rock and roll bands. Yeah. I started, I had an advanced copy of it, um, started reading it. It came, you know, at one of those times when finishing books was a challenge, but what I read was very good. So I will hopefully get back to finishing <laughs> it when reading is a little easier. Yeah. Uh, my next one is who is Maud Dixon by Alexandra Andrews. Um, this is wild. So our main character's name is Florence and Florence is a low level publishing employee. And Florence believes that they're destined to be a famous writer. Uh, they stumble into this, uh, this, this job as an assistant to this novelist known as Maud Dixon. Maud's secret identity or true identity is completely secret. secret. Um, and so it's, you know, Florence is like, oh, I'm going to learn from this incredible author. And it'll be, I'll be not only will I learn like how to write, but how to, how to live and, and everything. And so she be, Florence becomes obsessed with Maud, whose real name is Helen. Um, and they go to Morocco together. And then that's where Helen's new novel is going to be set. Uh, what ends up happening is Florence, they, there's a terrible car crash and Florence wakes up in a hospital after a terrible accident. No memory of what happened. And there's also no sign of Helen. Um, so she just decides, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to steal her life. So she becomes Maud Dixon and it's like, turns into this psychological thriller. So I, it's just like the the concept sounds so interesting. I'm very, very excited for Who is Maud Dixon by Alexandra Andrews. Uh, okay, so my last one is The Lost Village by Kamala Sen. Oh, God, y'all. <laughs> Buckle up. Um, I'm just going to give you, okay, first person to start with the, the short thing, which is The Blair Witch Project meets Midsummer. I mean. Perfect. Do I really need to go continue? I will because it sounds so good. But so documentary filmmaker Alice has been obsessed with the vanishing residents of the old mining town dubbed the Lost Village since she was a little girl. In 1959, her grandmother's entire family disappeared in this mysterious tragedy. And ever since the unanswered questions surrounding the only two people who were left, a woman stoned to death in the town center and an abandoned newborn have plagued her well sure so she's gathered a small crew of friends in the remote village to make a film about what really happened but there will be no turning back not long after they've set up camp mysterious things begin to happen equipment is destroyed people go missing as doubt breeds fear and their very minds begin to crack one thing becomes startling clear to alice they are not alone they're looking for the truth, but what if it finds them first? Okay, so like, <laughs> there's a couple things. First, this is a translation. I believe this actually came out last year in Europe. Um, I believe Kamala is from like a Nordic country. So you got like Nordic horror happening here, which is already its own like cool thing that I love. Um, this also kind of reminds me of, uh, I think it was, the American Horror Story Roanoke had a somewhat similar, yeah, yeah which was delightful. Um, and so I'm, I'm so excited for this one. Oh yeah, yeah. translated from Swedish. Okay, so yeah, oh, she's from Sweden. Um, uh, yeah, so, so good. Um, I'm pumped. Yeah, all right. I have uh, two more I want to talk about. The uh, first is Raft of Stars by Andrew J. Graff. This has, um. <laughs> This it like gave me feelings of equal parts Stand By Me and Homeward Bound. Um, it'll make sense in a second. Uh, so in 1994 in Wisconsin, there are these two 10-year-old boys. 
uh, Fish and Bread. The real names are Fisher Branson and Dale Breadwin, but I love Fish and Bread. Love yep. like great names. Um, they are, they both of them don't have great relationships with their fathers. And what ends up happening is one night they're like kind of tired of seeing what's going on with their, their, their friends. Um, Fish takes action and then they, they hear a gunshot ring out and the two boys flee the scene. They think that they are murderers. And so they run into the woods and they disappear where they find a raft and they decide to raft on down basically like a river and disappear. And then four adults track them through the forest and like are trying to find them. Um, and so everyone's on a journey of their own and for different reasons. And it's all about these boys who are tracking um, or these adults who are tracking these boys and the boys who like think that they're supposedly trying, they need to be trying to escape because they think that they're murderers. And I don't know, I just like, I'm a really, I, I like, a, you know, kind of like a journey type of a book. And I, it also reminded me of um, like, it just feels like Hatchet kind of to me. Mm-hmm, like, and I remember mm-hmm. loving Hatchet. And again, like another really great cover. Um, yeah, Raft of Stars. I don't know if I'm doing a great job describing it. I don't want to like just read the, the description for this one, but yeah, I don't know. I, it sounds really, really amazing. Um, and then the last one I want to talk about is The Ladies of the Secret Circus, because I'm always going to want to talk about circus books. Sure. Um, this is a magical story set in Jazz Age Paris and modern day America of a family of secrets. Um, And so the aspects that are told in Paris take place in 1925. There's a secret circus um, and you can enter there to enter a world of wonder, a world where women weave illusions of magnificent beasts, carousels take you back in time and trapeze artists float across the sky. Bound to her family's circus, it's the only world Cecile Cabot knows until she meets a charismatic young painter and embarks on a passionate affair that could cost her everything. And then in Virginia in 2004, Laura Barnes is at the top of the world until her fiance disappears on their wedding day. And when her desperate search for answers unexpectedly leads to her great grandmother's journals, Laura is swept into a story of dark circus and ill-fated love. Soon secrets about Laura's family history begin to come to light, revealing a curse that has been claiming payment from the women of her family for generations. I I just love a circus book. Yeah. Love a circus book. So that's um, the ladies of the secret circus by Constance Sayers again dynamite covers this month really good stuff so um yeah those are all the ones I want to talk about too so buckets of good books this month yeah so um, I also love that you put that you know the one that um the lost village in my mind like my justification for that creepy book because I was like well it's warm now warm reminds me of summer summer is basically pre-fall it's spooky season (laughs) wow my brain works um anything else people should know about jill i don't think so i don't think so either i think everything is like wrapped up that we would need to worry about i think so i believe so cool okay all right um well yeah those are our march books i hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the professional book nerds podcast Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily... That's how long it takes me to tell a story. 
My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.